Welcome to the Vox Community Podcast. Learn more about Vox Community at voxoc.com. Join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays at voxoc.com slash live and at the Eldorado Performing Arts Center. Music fades. Speaker comes out. Hey, good morning, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to Vox Community. Hey, looks like so many people were affected by daylight savings. <laughs> Myself included. I, w- I showed up 45 minutes late this morning. Um, we are a small little church that we started about two years ago. You can read all about us at voxoc.com. Again, my name is Andy. Uh, I'm the creative director here on staff. Uh, me and a small handful of people uh, started and founded this church a couple years ago uh, based off a podcast where uh, we wanted to entertain conversations where the church wouldn't usually go, things that were typically uh, called taboo. Um, and we've been able to create and find some freedom in a space where uh, we're trying to make the church the safest place to talk about anything. Uh, one way that we uh, extend that value is we put up a phone number um, with all the slides during the teaching where you can actually uh, text in uh, thoughts, comments, questions, and uh, we do our best to try to answer those questions, usually uh, the next service. Uh, so we do that. And we also, uh, in the past few years, we've done a, a pretty good job at sharing a lot of different stories. We're looking at some interesting ways to continue to do that here. And we have some lined up that we'll continue to do uh, coming as well. Uh, I do have um, a block of announcements because uh, it's just kind of that season with Easter and uh, a lot of stuff actually going on in April. Um, First and foremost, Easter is coming on April 1st. We are almost there. Um, it's terrifying that it's so early this year. And it's April Fool's, so we might have it, might not. Um, <laughs> uh, but actually, one thing that we, we really love to do is put a lot of our um, eggs and effort into Good Friday. So we've um, tried to do our best to be a church that responds to um, lament. And so uh, looking at Good Friday allows us to intentionally pause and really look at um, the greatest sacrifice uh, that we believe was ever made in the world. Um, so that's on March 30th, actually at uh, the Muck or the Muckenthaler Cultural Center um, here in Fullerton. Uh, so that's going to be a pretty interesting experience. We've had some of our artists sign up uh, to create a number of pieces that are reflective of um, this thing known kind of in the Catholic Church, which is the Stations at the Cross, but we actually think there's a lot of artistic value in pausing to reflect on, upon those pieces. So we'll have a walkthrough, time for you guys to socialize, get to know each other a little bit more, and we'll do a little bit of like a 20, 30-minute uh, response liturgy along with that. In addition with Easter, uh, we have baptisms that we'll be doing on Easter morning. Uh, you can sign up for those um, on the website, um, on the homepage. So here is uh, three, three things coming um, in April. I'm going to do this from memory. I'm not going to take out my iPhone. I'm going to do this. Um, number one, um, if this is uh, your first time here, uh, welcome. Uh, we're so glad that you're here. For those of you that have been with us, um, you know that we are kind of in this leadership uh, transition period. Um, our team has been working hard on planning uh, what the new structure looks like, redoing this thing called governance, which is a tie-in with nonprofit, you know, leadership structure and all of that, but also relates to what we're doing to spiritually lead the church and lead the organization. Uh, we were, we're looking forward to actually presenting to you guys um, all of that on April 8th. 
8th. Um, so today, I don't have slides for this, so I'm just telling you, so I'm trying to remember. But April 8th, we'd love to have you all here. Um, today, we're meeting with our community pastors um, after our gathering to present those plans to them and those structures to them to be praying about it over the next month. And we'll continue to, to modify or make any tweaks that we feel is necessary um, with that, too. So we'd appreciate if you guys would be praying along with us uh, for just you know seeking what's, what's right and good uh, for this church and, and how we continue to lead it. Um, Secondly, we are going to do actually our first official child dedications and uh, at the church. Uh, yeah, there we can clap for that. <laughs> uh, we're doing that in um, April, so I believe it's April. Nope, don't know the day off the top of my head. Doesn't matter. Um, not yet. So next week, though, I'll put the signups on the website. And so if you have a baby or a child and you'd like to do a dedication, we can give you more information about that, and uh, you could sign up uh, next week on the website. Also, uh, this week, uh, we have our monthly table fellowships uh, that we do. If you have not yet attended a table fellowship, they're really just a dinner party. It's a way for you to get to know each other. We have some of the most gracious and wonderful people who've opened up their homes uh, that will pre prepare for you a meal. Um, for example, um, our friend Greg makes the most amazing chili. His hand is up over there. But uh, that's just one example of the kind of things that, that we curate and do for you guys. You can sign up for those on the website as well. We have about um, seven, six or seven locations throughout Orange County uh, that we do those at. So we'd, we'd love for you guys to attend that. And lastly, see four. See, it wasn't even three. Nailed it, though. Four. Um, we do, will have um, our next Nudivox dinner um, in April as well, too. So I believe that's on April 25th, and you can sign up for that on the website. So if you're looking uh, to hear um, a little bit more about really who we are and what we do, uh, we invite you guys over to a home, and we just kind of share with you about what Fox is all about. We feed you, and we have time for you to ask questions and, and get to know us better as well. So... Um, that is that. Uh, today, uh, we've got uh, Carrie is going to be teaching with us this morning. Uh, I'm excited to hear from her. And uh, right now, I'm going to go ahead and actually bring out uh, Tim Muehlhoff. Tim is back. He's been out and away traveling and teaching and all of that good stuff. Thanks, Sandy. Yeah, you got it. I'm going to get out of here. So Tim's going to handle a question. And uh, yeah. you guys have a great morning. Thanks, all right, you got it, Tim. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I've been traveling the last four weeks. Uh, me and my wife did three marriage conferences, and then I spoke at this church, and so it's so great to be back. Uh, anything happen while I'm away? <laughs> I leave. Izzy gets married. We have a leadership change. It's like people are saying, you can't leave again. Do not leave. That is... Um, so, uh, yeah, it's great to be back. And uh, we need to keep praying for Mike um, and, and pray for the Erie family. And I've been in communication with him a little bit. And um, we just need to keep praying always for God's grace. And uh, transitions in leadership are, are interesting. And there's great group given leadership to this church. So we need to just continue to pray for that. Um, let's tackle a question. Uh, I love that this is a question when I get back. But I love the fact that we do this. There's time for you to ask questions and voice uh, what you're struggling with or thinking about. It's always good to hear from Bonnie. I agree. So bummed to miss her. I'm a big fan of what Bonnie uh, teaches. I want to believe that God treats all of us equally. I believe he loves us all equally. However, I don't see this when I read the Old Testament about God's chosen people. Uh, so I, here's what I would say about that. If you go to 1 Corinthians, Paul is talking about the church of Corinth. And he says a very interesting thing. The hand doesn't say to the foot. I don't need you. And he's clear to say when it comes to the body, you would never say, boy, I just love my hand more than I do my foot. They both are incredibly important for the body to function. So when Jesus was incarnated, he had to come somewhere. 
he wasn't going to be reincarnated multiple times. He wasn't going to die multiple times because it was so painful to him that the Father wouldn't put him through that. So when Jesus decided to come somewhere on planet Earth, it had to be an actual geographic location. So we know that he came to the Middle East. He chose a particular group of people, um, the nation of Israel, to serve a purpose So I wouldn't say that the nation of Israel was more loved than Gentiles. Boy, Paul makes that point all throughout his writings. Gentiles are just as loved as Jews are, but but God had a, a job for the nation of Israel to do. Right? And it was a painful job. It was a really hard job. But God was going to say, through my dealing with Abraham and the nation of Israel, I'm going to teach you general lessons about God's love. And we know that the blessing of Abraham was not just for Abraham and the Jews. He was blessed so that all the nations of the world would be blessed. So the fact that he chose um, Israel as his chosen people, don't read into that qualitatively. Don't think that he loved the Jews more than he loves anybody else. We know from the New Testament, that's not true. Each one of us has a job to do that God gives us, and the nation of Israel was given a very painful, very difficult job to kind of be the test case of what happens when God leads a particular group of people. So the hand isn't more important than the foot. God plays no favorites whatsoever. He loves all of us equally, but there will be times that he asks each one of us to do things differently and to have different responsibilities. One of the big responsibilities God gives is teaching. Uh, It's not to be taken lightly. Um, Those of us who do teach were held to a much higher standard when it comes to um, God. So that's why I'm great that we have a teaching team. This doesn't rest on just one person. And a a huge fun part of being associated with Vox is getting to know the teaching team. And uh, one person I greatly admire, love her teaching, is Carrie. So Carrie, come on out. So many things I have to carry. What's that? So many things I have to carry. I know. Well, here, let me. Thank you. Here you go. You know what's funny, Carrie? What's funny? What's funny, Tim? I had those exact same boots on today. I'm sure you did. But took them off. I just yeah. didn't feel like it. They're not good for the rain. No, I, it's I not. I debated. Yes. I know. I know. Hey, so let me pray for you. Okay. It is great to yes. uh, hear from you again what God's laid on your heart. Father, we do pray for receptiveness always, that your spirit be prepared in our hearts, that we don't just come to church to just sit back and not participate. And uh, mm-hmm. your spirit is already provoking us, already preparing us for what Carrie has to say. Give her the confidence to say it. Thank you that she is so attentive to your word and to your spirit, and pray that we'd be attentive as well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank, thank you. Thank you. Hi, guys. Good morning. You know, you're like gold stars today because time change and rain, that's like nobody shows up to church. So you should be giving yourself a pat on the back that you made it here today. I even like peeked out the corner. I was like, is anybody here? And I saw nobody here. And then I saw the two of you come and say, I was like, yes, two people are here. But then look at, there's, there's, there's people here today. So I haven't got to preach in a while, and I've missed you guys. Um, I was in Illinois a couple weeks ago, or a week, I don't even know. I actually don't even know if it was Illinois. I've been in Missouri, Minnesota, Illinois, like all these. I didn't, I have to look up geographically where they are, because they're like those states that you're like, where do they exist? Who even goes there? I do. Um, And so does Jesus. He was there. Um, But so normally when I come and preach, 
here. I, I really, you know, I prayed about, I mean, I prayed about this too, but like I pray about it and I think about it and I go, okay, God, what do you want for our Vox community? And this is my, my selfish place where I can preach about whatever God puts on my heart, whatever I feel God is, is ministering to our, our congregation. Um, and yet I did this message in Illinois. It was Illinois. Cause I remember was, I kept saying Illinois. That's not how you say it. Um, and as I was giving the message, this was one week after, um, after the resignation and all that stuff that went on. If you're new there, don't worry about it. It's inconsequential to you right now. But um, for those of us that are old school <laughs> foxers, uh, as I was preaching it, um, I kept thinking about our church and I kept thinking about me. I kept thinking about you and I kept thinking about how this one word defines, um, can define a lot of what we do. And the word is interruptible. Are you interruptible? I remember I was, uh, I was sitting in the back of a church. I had spoken at a, at an event and our church service and I was sitting, standing in the back and I was talking to a mom and she's just like, you know, pouring her heart out to me and sharing this stuff. And her kids standing next to her, like, you know, pull on her and she's like, you know, just kind of ignoring him. And I'm distracted because I'm like, I feel like he has something really important to say. Like, does he have to go to the bathroom or what's going to, you know? So I'm like shaking my head, but kind of seeing her kid that's like, mommy, mommy, mommy. And finally she goes, what, what, what do you need? And he goes, it's a booger. Put it in your mouth. (laughs) And I was like, profound, profound. And she was mortified. Luckily it's me. And I'm like, this is the best. I'm using this as an illustration. This was the best ever. But she was like, oh, okay, I got to go. You know, just pray for me. I'm like, I will. Um, and he just like walked away like, and I started to think about like, there's these moments of interruption that kind of don't matter. And then there's moments of interruption that literally take your life to a halt, right? You just, it's like you're moving along in life. You have a plan, you have a vision, you know where you're going, or maybe life has been super hard and you've just kept your head down and all you can do is just keep going and something, boom, just hits you. As I was driving here this morning, um, I was getting off of the 91 and as I was driving by, some of you may have gone this way, I saw this huge accident. There was two people in in two different cars. The cars were completely smashed. The fire trucks were there. They were taking them out of the car. Something I couldn't see fully what was going on, but it did not look good. It didn't look good for the people in the car. It didn't look good in any of the situation. I immediately just started praying for them. I started thinking, man, they've been interrupted. Like wherever they were going today, whatever their plan was, they have been interrupted. And the question kind of kept coming into my mind, am I interruptible? I think this is an important question to kind of sit in because interruptions from God, interruptions that happen, some that aren't even from God, God wants to use interruptions in our life to change us, to mold us, to shape us, to grow us. He will use whatever either the enemy tries to steal or whatever he allows to happen to change, could, to change the course of how we think, how we feel, what we do. I want to look at John um, chapter four. Uh, it's the it's the woman at the well, and this is like probably one of the most famous stories in the Bible. Is the woman at the well? If you're not from church and you don't know church, you are in a, for a treat today because this is such a great story. If you've been to church, then you know this story, and I am hoping to put a different spin on this. Now, I have been sitting in this passage. I told you I've been sitting in Abraham for like a year. I've also been sitting in this passage for a year because. 
because for our entire tour last year, um, I run a tour and that's a whole other thing, um, was called the Misfit Tribe Tour. And for one year, I preached on this message about how God uses misfits to change the world. And yet, this last time when I gave this message, it had nothing to do with misfits. It was all about being interrupted. God is giving new stories to you every day. His word will never become old. There will always be something new you can learn. There will all be something new that you can sit in and glean from. And God took a story that I literally preached in front of thousands of people all over the globe, actually, this one passage. And he was like, yeah, we're not talking about that anymore. We're going to use the same scripture and completely talk about this idea. Not cool. So cool. The Bible never gets old. It's living. It's like the never ending story with Falcor. It's so awesome. <laughs> Here we find ourselves in, uh, back in, in days with Jesus. Jesus is hanging out with his disciples. Now Jesus is on his way to Galilee, and he's in Judea. So Judea is down here, and Galilee's up here. In order for any respectable Jewish man to get up to Galilee, um, or to get up to, yeah, get up to Galilee from Judea, any respectable Jewish man would take this long way to go all the way up. Reason why is because in order to go the straight and quicker path, he would have to go through an area called Samaria. Samaria is a town that nobody wants to go through. They are considered half-breeds. Nobody wants to talk to them. They are Jews and Gentiles. They are unclean. They are the lowest of the low. No respectable Jewish man would ever step foot in Samaria. No respectable Jewish man would ever talk to a Samaritan. And yet Jesus, he says in chapter 4, had to go to Samaria. And as I'm reading that, I think Jesus didn't have to do anything. He doesn't have to go anywhere. Jesus wants to go wherever he wants to go. He can go wherever he wants to go. But something is compelling Jesus that he says, I have to go through Samaria, breaking all the rules. As Jesus walks through Samaria, he asks for his disciples, why don't you guys go get some lunch? So they head off to Subway. You know, go get some lunch. It's the middle of the day. It's noon. It's hot. Jesus finds himself in Samaria. He comes to a well and he sits down. Now, you need to understand something about Samaria at noontime. If you've ever been to Arizona, I have. I've done evangelism in Arizona. All I had to say is you lived in this for eternity. And they were like, I'm in. I want Jesus. <laughs> this is so hot there. It's so hot. It's like they have water cups as you're going to the mall. They have like water breaks like from the parking lot walking up to the mall. You're like, just like, a little sustenance. It's so hot there. I dated a guy who was from Arizona. He was a bike rider. He said, I have to get up before the sun comes up because I want to ride my bike. I was like, why do you got to get up? He's like, well, because the tar melts. I was like, we need to not live here. (laughs) This is crazy. Anyway, I digress. It's hot. It's like 10 times hotter in the Middle East at noon. So it's not just a little hot. He's not just a little thirsty. He is hot and thirsty. He sits down. As he's sitting down at the well, up strolls a Samaritan woman. She strolls up, noon, by herself, minding her own business. She's got her jug. She's ready to get some water. He looks at her. Hi, how you doing? And she kind of looks at him. Oh, hey. And he's like, hey, can you get me a drink of water? And I love this part of the scripture because she looks at him and she says, the woman is surprised because Jews, this is verse nine. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. This is verse, uh, also I ordered glasses. I know you guys have been concerned. They come in two days. <laughs> it's been a thing, guys. It's been a thing. So 
sits down at the well near this place, and soon the Samaritan woman walks up. Please give me a drink, he says. He was alone at the time because his disciples have gone, and now, verse 9, the woman is surprised because, you see, Jews are not supposed to be talking to Samaritans, let alone women. So we kind of understand the, the lineup of how things go back in Bible time. So we have Samaritans, and then we have Samaritan, and then we have women, and then we have Samaritan women, okay? Lowest of the low, bottom rung, you never talk to them. She's surprised, she looks at him and is like, you, you realize I'm a Samaritan, right? And he's like, I'm thirsty. Can you get me a drink? And she looks at him, and I love that when she says to him, Jesus replies, to her, uh, in verse, in verse 10, Jesus replies, if you only knew who I was, if you only knew the gift that God has for you and for, and who I am, you would ask me and I would give you living water. You ever been talking with somebody and you realize in a moment, I think they're crazy. (laughs) You know what I mean? You've been like having a conversation and they start talking a little world and you're like, it's been nice meeting you, <laughs> but I think you're crazy. This has got to be what she's thinking because she's asking for water and she's like, you're not even supposed to be talking to me. He's like, look, if you knew who I was, I'd be giving you living water. And she was like, look, I don't even know who you are. And I love that she gets attitude because I so would too. She goes, but sir, in verse 11, she says, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. So I don't know who you are, who you think you are. She's getting all haughty and high and mighty. You shouldn't know this is Jesus. We know it's Jesus because we've read the Bible. So we're like, oh my gosh, what a beautiful encounter. He's offering her living water and she's like, you don't have a rope or a bucket. That's not how it was. The reality is human nature, right? She walked up to the well and was like, who is this fool trying to talk to me? He's trying to get with me and I am not trying to have that. You know, that's how we think us girls don't try to get here. No. And he's like, give me some water. And she's like, I'm not going to give you any water. And you don't even have a rope or a bucket. And then she goes on to get high and mighty. And she's like, look, I don't know who you are, but I don't know if you know this, but this is Jacob's well. You see, Samaritans don't have a lot to hold on to, but Jacob, their ancestor, he's a good guy, big guy, important guy. She goes, this is Jacob's well. He actually drank from this well. His cows drank from this well. So I don't think you understand what kind of well this is. (laughs) I love that she was so sassy. You know, I mean, that's my take on it because that's probably how I would be. So I run it through the grid of how I would do things. But think about that, right? Human nature. Some weird guy talking to her. She didn't know who he is. He goes on to say, as she's, you know, schooling him, Jesus goes on to say, because Jesus is always like a cool cat. Like he doesn't get riled much. He just kind of just sits there. And he says here in verse 13, Jesus replies, people soon become thirsty. And again, after drinking this water, but the water I will give them takes away their thirst altogether. It becomes a perpetual spring within them, giving them eternal life. You see, something has happened here in this moment. She's had a casual interruption, walking to get her water, minding her own business, and she gets casually interrupted. But something changes in her heart because if you feel uncomfortable or you're being casually interrupted and you just don't want to bother with it, she could have just walked away at any time. Been like, you're crazy. I'm leaving. I don't know her heart. I don't know her backstory, but I do know that she's alone at noon at the well. I wonder if for her, just any interaction was welcomed because it's been a long time since she's talked with anybody. 
For whatever reason, she stays. This casual interaction, this casual interruption, she chooses to engage in. Jesus goes on and says, as he says, I'm going, I, the water that I will give will become a perpetual spring, in verse 13, within them, giving life to them. And you can see something start to switch in her mind. No longer is this man crazy. She's intrigued. Please, sir, she says in verse 14, or verse 15. The woman says, give me some of this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to haul water. And I was listening to that and just reading that. I think about her story and her backstory. We'll find out a little bit more about her. But why was this woman at noon by herself at a well in the hottest part of the day? What was she running from? Who was she hiding from? You see, back in the day, Jewish women got up early and they tribed up. Let's go down to the water hole and get, how's your, how's your husband doing? Oh, he's fine. Oh, George today. You know, whatever. Let's go get our water. Let's chat. Let's talk. Let's meet. They gather up their tribe. They go down to the well together in the early part of the morning when it's not hot. They tribe up, get their water, talk around the water cooler, head back home, go about their duties. This woman, alone. What is she hiding from? Why does she feel compelled to have to go by herself? Where is her tribe? Where are her people? All alone. So I can see within her you know of a secret place? You know of water where I don't have to come here anymore by myself? Because this is humiliating, honestly. As all the women tribe up together and they have everyone and I have no one, tell me, where can I go? Is it a secret cave? Is it a secret spot? She didn't fully get it yet, but she will. Where is this water that I don't have to be embarrassed anymore, that I could go and hide even further? You see, Jesus, this interruption is going to move from a casual interruption to a God-sized interruption. And he's going to move her. I don't want you hiding anymore. Oh, no. In fact, I want you coming out into the open. And he looks at her and he says, I'll tell you, go get your husband. And I can just feel her heart. You can feel her heart kind of sink as she says this next line, and I, I wonder what was going through her head, and obviously I don't know, but any human being, and we're, we're all connected the same way, hiding is so much easier than being exposed. You see, here's this man that doesn't know her at all, and she's gonna, he's going to reveal a secret to her. He's going to tell her where to go find a secret spring of water where she doesn't have to be embarrassed anymore, but now he's asked the question, go get your husband. Will she lie? Will she tell the truth? Will she tell a half-truth? And yet, she stays. She doesn't walk away at any point unto this. Still, her curiosity is piqued. Ever been so broken, she can't help yourself but stay and just cling on to any little bit of hope? She decides to half-lie. She says, I don't have a husband, the woman says. And then Jesus says to her, you're right. You don't have a husband. In fact, you have had five husbands, and the one you're with right now, you're not even married to her. I remember reading this, and I was like, dang, that's fuck, Jesus. Getting a little crazy right now. In fact, where's your love, God? 
Where's all your grace and all your love and all your mercy, all the stuff we talk about? God is love, God is grace, God is mercy. Come as you are. Why did he have to point out what everybody knows about her? Why did he have to call her out on all the things she's done wrong? Why couldn't he just said, I don't care about that stuff. Just come as you are. That's the Jesus we want to love, right? That's what we want to sit in. So I sit in this, I go, why, God? Why have to call her out on this? He said, because this interruption, Carrie, is going to change the course of her life. You see, I don't want her hiding anymore. I want her to know that I see everything, I know everything, and yet I've already offered her living water. It's not contingent upon her behavior. It's that she gets honest about where she's at. You see, freedom comes when we are seen in all of our brokenness and all of our shame and all of our hiding. And God goes, I see it all. I see it all. I've already offered you living water. That's already been offered. But it isn't until you get honest and you accept the interruption that I can move deep into the fragile places of your heart. You see, this wasn't to embarrass her or condemn her. This was to free her. She goes on to say, Sir, this woman says in verse 19, you must be a prophet. And she starts to go on. You ever sit in those moments where you're struggling with your faith and the religion that you grew up with starts to play in your mind? And you start to think all these religious thoughts of what you knew and grew up with. Now, you have to remember, just because she is a Gentile and and Jew, she has lineage. There's been stories. There's been legacies. There's been stuff passed on. So she knows some stuff. And she starts to go on about this religious doctrine about where Samaritans will worship God and where Gentiles will worship God. And I love how Jesus just stops her. And he says in verse 21, believe me. There is a time that is coming. Well, it will not matter where you worship. It will only matter who you worship. So he stops it. It's not about the religion. It's not about where you worship. It's not about if you're Jew or Gentile. It only matters who you worship. He shut religion down right there. He was like, don't check any boxes. Just come to me with all that you have, all your brokenness, all your shame, all the lies, all the hiding, all the loneliness. And then he says, which is so beautiful, in verse 20-something, I can't see it. (laughs) For God, he says, um, but there is a time and it is already coming, verse 23, there it is. Time and is already coming here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And I love this part. It says the Father is searching. This is what he says to her. The Father is searching the earth, looking for those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. This isn't about religion. This isn't about your lineage. This isn't about who you are or how you were born or what you've done. No, this is God searching for those that'll get honest in their desperation and need for God. This interruption takes a huge turn. This is a God-sized interruption. This changes, is changing the course of her life. I love this part because the woman said, I can just see her saying it. She kind of like side eyes, like looks at him, you know. I mean, it doesn't say that, but I could imagine. I know that there is a Messiah. I have heard that there is a Messiah. 
and he will come, the one they call the Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Is that you? You know, can't you just see her like, is that, are you the one? Here's the awesome part about this scripture, and I want you to fully get this. This interruption had been planned. This interruption had been planned since the beginning of her creation. I think sometimes we think that things just happen and that God was like, oh man, better fix that. Things happen in life. He knows they're gonna happen. Things are hard. He knows they're gonna be hard. This woman was destined for this interruption. In all the suffering and all the pain and all the hiding and all the rejection and all the people talking about her behind her back. In fact, the five men that married her and the one that won't even respect her enough to keep her as his bride. All of it. God sees it and he knows it. And God actually destined this moment for her from the beginning of her creation. How crazy is that? Up until this point, Jesus has never revealed himself as being Messiah, Messiah, ever. Not to the disciples, not to the religious right. You always say Jesus has the worst business plan. I've told you this before. Go to the most influential, the ones that have money and have power. That's, I mean, come on, get a better business plan, right? Be connecting and interfacing. And No, Jesus was like, there's more people on the bottom rung. And that's where I sit. It's freer here. And he looks at her, and the most powerful words ever spoken to a woman that has no name, a Samaritan, a woman, a half-breed, a woman with a past that even if she lived here today, we would not think highly of. Because any woman that's been married five times and dating a man would be like, oh, I think you need some therapy. (laughs) Right? I mean, we don't want to say that, but we would think that. We need to get better at not thinking like that, but we would. Society's hard. Jesus looks at her. I know that there will be a time when the Messiah comes, the one they call the Christ, and he will tell us everything about us. And her eyes lock with him. Can't you feel this moment? Here they are in the heat of the day. This all started off with water, and it was never about water. And she looks at him and he locks eyes with her. And I can only imagine the smile that is on his face as he looks at her and he says, I am the Messiah. Can you feel the power of that moment? Out of all the people that Jesus could have revealed himself for the very first time to claim his deity as the son of God, he reveals himself to a no-name half-breed with a past. This is the God we serve. This is the interruptions we're looking for. She had every choice to walk away. She had every inclination of going, I'm not going there. When the interruptions come, you have a choice to engage or disengage. You have a a choice to acknowledge or shut it down. But you could be missing out on Jesus revealing more deity, more strength, more power, more authority, more healing in your life. Instead of rejecting what God wanted to say to her, instead of rejecting that moment, she got to experience one of the most powerful moments in the Bible when Jesus reveals his deity. Interruptions are part of God's plan. 
He uses everything. He uses everything. I remember sitting in our driveway and we had just got done watching the movie 300. (laughs) It's a total Jesus movie. And I am highly affected by movies. Like I can't watch romantic comedies or my husband doesn't love me right. Like I'm just like, you don't love me right. He's like, did you watch The Notebook again? I'm like, I'm just saying, you don't love me right. You know, he's like... (laughs) I'm just highly affected. I watch any like kung fu movie. I'm like, I'm a warrior for Christ, kung fu. You know, I just like, it's, I'm not even joking. It's, it's real. It's real. I watch a baby movie. I'm going to have a baby again. And Mario's like, that is a hard no to those movies. <laughs> so we're watching 300 and I am like, who's watched 300? Okay, four of you. There, it's a good movie. You should go, well, I am Sparta. Come on. I mean, it's just like the most powerful movie. Everything I look through is the grid of like warrior. It's just, it's how I am created. I'm not like the gentle, quiet, you know, bring the spirit in. I'm like, no, this slashing ugly thoughts. You know, I'm just the warrior girl. And I'm watching this movie and it is like affecting me on like a spiritual level. And at that moment, like a couple weeks before that, God had been stirring in our lives. You should not know when a change is coming. Something's happening. You can't put your finger on it. You know something's happening. And we were sitting in the driveway. My husband and I, this when we lived in LA. Gosh, this was like, I don't know, babe, how far ago? That was like five years ago or eight years ago. I don't even know. Time, Time has stopped. We were sitting there and I'm just sobbing in the car. And Mario's like, what's going on? Like, what's happening with you? And I just said, I feel... Like, this is a moment where God is asking us, are we willing to be interrupted? I feel like our lives are going to dramatically change. And he was like, okay, like, are you leaving me? What's happening? I was like, no, no, I'm in, you. I'm in it with you. You can't get away from me. I was like, no, I feel like God is asking us to step out and trust him. I had no idea. And in that car, we said a prayer. And I said, God, whatever you want to do, However you want to interrupt or invade this story, we are willing. My husband and I sat in the driveway and we cried, and it was just a moment. And from that moment on, our lives were dramatically interrupted. We were called out of corporate America. We started a nonprofit. We're working, and I would love to say, and it was all glorious. No, it was not all glorious. It was really hard, really hard, and it still is really hard. There was things I had to learn about God that I had no concept of. You see, I knew about grace. I didn't experience grace on that level, and you can't teach that which you don't know. I taught about trusting God, but I didn't know what it meant on a gut level to trust God. I do now, and the interruptions have been hard. The interruptions have changed the course of our lives. The interruptions have changed the course of many people's lives. You see, God, Jesus, doesn't interrupt your story just to interrupt it. Our God is very purposeful. So this had to go to Samaria is just like he had to come here today. Don't miss an interruption, whether you think it's small or inconsequential. These interruptions that God is putting before you could change the course of your life. Yes, it will come with sacrifice. Yes, it will come with you being asked to do some things that you didn't think you could do. It will also come with a changed life and a changed perspective and a changed heart. 
how do we know that the woman was even changed by all this? As Jesus says the most powerful words in the Bible, I am the Messiah. Up walk the disciples. They're always interrupting everything like, we got your subway, what's happening? It actually says in the scripture that they don't dare say it out loud, but they think in their head, oh no, what's he doing now? He's talking to a Samaritan woman. Like they're always stressed out. Like, oh God, he's gonna get us in jail. Yep, yeah, he is. (laughs) Talking to the wrong people, doing the wrong things, healing people on the wrong days. He's just always pulling people out of trees, sitting with tax collectors. Like it's just always a mess. They're walking up stressed out. There's not one more word exchanged between her and the Messiah. But can't you just see it? As he says these words and up up walk the disciple to interrupt the most beautiful moment. No, they can't steal what has just happened. As she slowly backs away and is taken back. How do we know that she was changed because the very thing she came for, the water, she leaves the jug behind and it says she turns around and runs back to the village, runs back to the very place where she's been ostracized, where she's been talked about, where she has no tribe, where the men that she's dated and married all still live there because it's a village and that's how it works. It's not like LA. You can't get lost. Everyone knows you. It's like your brother's uncle's sister. Everyone knows you. She runs back to those very people. In fact, to the very man that said, I don't love you enough to marry you. Runs, it says, not walks. Runs, leaves the jug. Who cares? Because what I was thirsty for was just external. But what God has done has become internal. It has changed me. I have encountered the love and grace of Christ. She is no longer in bondage. She is free. She is no longer lost. She is found. She is no longer in hiding. She has been seen by the deity of God incarnate. This has changed her. And she runs back to the very people that have turned their back on her, the very people that talk about her as she walks by. And she goes running to them and she says, come and see. Come and see this man who told me everything that, that, that I've ever done. Come and see him. And, and I stop in that part of the story because I'm like, yeah, everyone knows what you've done. Why is that such a big deal? Why would they be intrigued by her saying, a man told me everything that I've ever done. Everyone knows what you've done. You're the town slut. Everyone knows, right? And yet, something happened in her that drew, it says, an entire village out to meet this man. You see, when you encounter the presence of God and you allow him to invade your life, you change in a way that we can't even put to words. You start to shine and you start to rise and what people think of you doesn't matter and people want that because we're always looking around, wishing we could be different, wishing we could be better, wishing our kids look better, or our marriages look better, or our life get better, and we just hide and hide between Photoshopped pictures and really happy Christmas cards. And the reality is, life is hard. But when you allow God to invade your story, I'm not saying it gets easier. It didn't take away the five men that she was with, and it surely didn't make the man marry her. At least I don't know. I mean, maybe he was like, you awesome now. (laughs) I don't know. It doesn't say. 
But what I do know is an entire village, an entire village came out to see Jesus. And they stayed for two days. And it says many of them came to know the love of the Father. You see, Jesus doesn't interrupt your story just to interrupt your story. He interrupts your story for your freedom and then for the freedom of others. Jesus could have gone to the village himself. He could have gone to the village. He's Jesus. He could have gone to the village and done a couple miracles and threw out some healings. And people would have just been like, yeah, he's got... God chose a no-named Samaritan woman with a strange and tainted past that nobody wanted to talk to. And he was like, you're who I want. You're who I want to reveal myself to you. And you're who I want to use to tell other people about it. Please know this. Your story is being interrupted for the kingdom of God. Your story is being interrupted for your freedom. Your story doesn't define you. The interruption of the presence of God is what defines you. It's what will change you. It's what will make you new. She was on a course to just get some water on a Tuesday afternoon. I think it's a Tuesday. And because she allowed herself to engage in the interruption, to acknowledge that she's being interrupted, and then to take action with that interruption, not only was she changed, the village was changed, people's lives were changed, and actually, from history, they said from that village, many churches were birthed and born. From one woman, who I have no name, You see, I'm just a woman running from the well, telling you that are here today, are you interruptible? Are you interruptible? I know you want to keep your head down. I know sometimes it's just so hard. And you go, I just try to plow through, plow through. When you engage with the disappointment, when you engage with the heartache, when you sit and go, God, come into this part of my story, I had this plan. I thought it was going to go this way. I thought it was going to look like this. You've gifted me, God, and now you're taking it away. Allow him to interrupt. Allow him to go deeper into the fragile place and expose what's happening so that you can be free. When this happens, freedom not is only for you, but it's for those around you. Do you think that the woman at the well was happy that she was interrupted ultimately? Do you think, as we look at this, her body language and what she did, she's so thankful that he stopped that day? You know what I think too? I think God is so grateful and Jesus was so with her. He was so thankful she said yes. He was so thankful she stayed and listened through the hard part of the story, through the confusing part of the story, she stayed. She engaged in the interruption. And her life is forever changed. My encouragement to you today is our church has been interrupted. Our lives have been interrupted. Our kids' lives have been interrupted. Interruptions are every day. 
when you start to see through the grid of what God is doing and through the grid of God's heart for you, that interruption could be the very thing that changes the course of your life. We are going to do some worship. If you are new to church and you don't know what worship is, you ever get in the car and you listen to a song and it goes straight from your head right to your heart? Crazy Sexy Cool by TLC gets me every time. (laughs) That's the same as what we do with worship. Sometimes our words can't find enough ways to be able to express what's going on in our heart. And so we do worship. But the way we do it here is like however you want to do it. There's no right way. So you might see some people standing up. It's okay. Don't be freaked out. You might see some people clapping their hands or raising their hands. Don't be freaked out. You might see some people that are just coming along the front here because they just want to just have a moment at the altar. Don't be freaked out. Maybe you just want to sit and take in what God is speaking to your heart right now. He's saying, I'm trying to interrupt you here. Don't fear the interruption. It is for your healing. It is for your good. It is for your freedom. You just bow your head and you just listen to the words. However you want to worship is beautiful. But that's all this is. It's when we can't find the words, the musicians will help us just sing it out. I'll come back in a few songs and we'll, we'll engage in some communion. But for the next two songs, just allow yourself to worship and ask God, where do you want to take me? How do you want to interrupt me this morning? You see, this morning is an interruption if you let it. The greatest interruption of time, the greatest invasion of time, was when Jesus Christ left the throne in heaven and came to earth and invaded the story of humanity. It is the moment that he died on the cross that changed everything, the ultimate interruption. The ultimate interruption to the plan of the enemy, the ultimate interruption to humankind, Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords comes to earth and dies for you. But he doesn't just die. He rises again and he claims the earth and he claims you as his own. We're going to go into a time of communion. As we partake of these elements, we think of the greatest interruption of time. We're thankful we're humbled. We realize in that moment as we take this that this wasn't something that we're nostalgic about. No, no, no. The power of that moment is alive and living today. It is not an altar of remembrance of the past. It is an altar of remembrance to the power that is here now. That is the power of the cross. So when you come down here and you partake of these elements, Anybody can come. It's not Jew or Gentile, saved or not saved. If you need the presence of Jesus, just come and remember what he did so that power can flood you for today. That's what happens here. It's where people who wouldn't normally sit together, people who wouldn't normally talk, people in different age ranges, demographics, financial status, all come to the table and it is equal. The playing field is equal. Bunch of misfits. One great God. So beautiful. 
I know some of you are being called to sit in your interruption. If you need support in that, it's hard. And I don't minimize an interruption. Sometimes they're so big it takes our breath away. Sometimes it's so big because it has to do with a loved one and the interruption is more than you can bear. If you just need someone to pray with you or talk with you, we love you here. You are safe here. So we have amazing community pastors who just want to love on you. They're like the best people. They just want to love on you. They just want to pray for you. If you need them, they're in the back corner. But as we come and partake of these elements, let's partake as a family, a family of brokenness, a family of pain, a family of joy, a family that says we trust in one God, and we're going to partake together as he interrupts and continue to interrupt the narrative of our lives. There's also gluten-free because we love you even more. Let me pray. God, we just thank you, Lord, for this time. As we continue in a heart of worship, we continue to sing out songs, some of us through tears filling our eyes. Some of us, we can barely get the words out because the breath is so hard because we feel like our breath has been taken away. For some of us, we sit here and we actually are experiencing some joy and so we sing out loud. For some of us, the path was so clear and the interruption has felt so jarring. How could we ever recover? I pray, God, that as they come and take of these elements, that the interruption that you did on earth with humanity was for our freedom and for the freedom of others around us. The interruptions aren't to be scared. The interruptions aren't to be feared. You want to embrace us in the middle of the interruptions. You are the Messiah. And that changes everything. It changes everything. Let us come before you today, God, with hearts full, hearts desperate, crying out to you in the middle of our interruption. May you meet us in all your deity. In Jesus' name, amen. We run a tight ship, guys. <laughs> Thank you, worship team. Yeah. I love when you guys do that. It's pretty awesome. I love you. I really do. But here's something even greater is what would it look like if you understood how loved you really were? Like how loved you really were. Like it would change everything. It would change everything. It would change how we see people. It would change how we see our trauma. It would change how we see the world around us. To understand that you are loved, every depth, every part of your being is so loved and seen by God. When you start to understand the fullness of who you really are and whose you really are, I'm going to tell you guys, this world will have no, no kind of hold on you. It just won't you will be able to understand without a shadow of a doubt that even when he doesn't move the mountains, you know, doesn't answer the prayers like you wish he would, you will trust in him and it will change everything. God is revealing his deity to you day in and day out through the mountains, through the birds, through your friends, hopefully through Vox. We love you so much here. I want you to know that uh, we're a community of worship and giving. So we worship with music. We worship together uh, in listening to me talk and you interacting back. You can text in questions. We also worship through giving. So 
I love Vox, you love Vox, there's been an interruption. It was a God-sized interruption. And God is moving us forward. God is moving us forward. Because this place is too important. He wants a refuge for people to come to. So as hard as it is, we'll accept the interruption. Yeah? If you want to keep those interruptions coming, we would love for you to give. So (laughs) there's a participation box in the back, and uh, it's how we keep getting to do this wonderful service. I'm going to pray for you. Would you stand with me so I can just give a blessing over you? My blessings don't mean much, but we'll just make it work with Jesus being present. Uh, It's my feeble attempt to pray over you, but I'm going to pray over you. God, I just ask that you would bless every man, every woman, every child in this room that they would understand that today, right now, maybe for the first time, someone just experienced your eyes locking with their eyes and you revealing you are the Messiah. You see them and you love them and you know them and they have never gone too far. You use misfits to change the world. And I'm so thankful that you chose me. I'm so thankful that you stopped in the middle of the day to reach my heart. I pray that you would do that for my brothers and sisters in this room. Give them a week of eyes that are open to the interruptions around them. And may it change the course of their path towards more freedom in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Vox Community Podcast. You can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash voxcommunity. Participate in the Vox Community at voxoc.com slash participate.